This is The Reality. Hello to you, welcome to The Reality. So good to be with you. My name's Dudley Anderson. In the next half an hour, I'm going to be sharing with you a story of a life touched and changed by the reality of Christ. Just to remind you that as you listen to the program today, you might have some questions or you perhaps would like some prayer. I'd love to hear from you. Email me dudley at surereality.net. I'll mention that email address again towards the end of the show. Today on The Reality, we're meeting itinerant preacher and author Tope Pearson. Tope is the founder of a ministry called You Fit Perfectly. She's authored a book entitled You Fit Perfectly. So we're going to be talking about our perfect fit in Jesus today. Tope had a vision of a jigsaw puzzle once and she found her place in life. Tope Pearson was in the 7-7 London transport bombings of 2005 where 52 people lost their lives. On the 7th of July 2005, three terrorists separately detonated three homemade bombs in quick succession aboard a London underground train across London. And later a fourth terrorist detonated another bomb on a double-decker bus in the city. Tope was on the underground that day. As we were in the tunnel, I heard an explosion and the connecting door to the first carriage blasted open and a ball of smoke and fire rolled into one was gushing towards me. I closed my eyes and said, to your hands I commit my spirit. And then the, the train came to a grinding halt. And then I heard screaming and banging I should have been on that first carriage and I would have been standing up and I probably wouldn't be talking to you today. I'll begin our chat today by asking her to tell us about that dreadful experience. At 2005, I hadn't long been a Christian, um, but I, I was having a, gradually a, a, a good relationship, a close relationship with, with the Lord. And so I remember just waking up one morning so I, I used to go to work every day to Covent Garden, um, like clockwork. And um, I was a, a single mother at the time. And um, I remember just getting up in my normal routine after a lovely time with the Lord in prayer. Hmm. And um, my son went off to school. He had just started um, his first year of secondary school. And then I'd go in the opposite, opposite direction to go to um, get on the Piccadilly line um, to get to King's Cross, first of all before changing to go to Covent Garden. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember coming up the steps of um, King's Cross and um, there was a guard um, with gates, behind gates, which I'd never seen in my life before. Mm-hmm. And I wondered wh- what, he was just closed it as I arrived to go through. I would normally, my normal routine would be to go on, get on the first carriage King's Cross station um, on King's Cross and um, so when he sort of looked at me and sort of nodded his head and signaled you can't see my thumb going that way but that's what I'm doing now <laughs> pointing to go that way mm. and I, I sort of you know when you touch you go oh no you know you're gonna make me late now so I had no choice but to run all the way round to get into the platform on the next entrance mm. At the time, I thought it was the third carriage, but I, I think it was the end of the second carriage. Um, I got on eventually, and I'd never seen um, King's Cross so packed, but I was determined to get to work on time. Mm-hmm. So I squeezed myself onto the um, into the carriage, um, and that's off we went. And um, we weren't, perhaps a few minutes into the tunnel, not even that, 
And as we were in the tunnel, I heard a big explosion and the door, the connecting door to the first carriage came, it blasted open. And all I can, I know, all I can describe it as is something out of a James Bond movie. Because I, I, no, my mind couldn't comprehend what had happened because I'd never seen such a thing before. And a ball of smoke and fire rolled into one was gushing towards me and i thought that was the end of my life so i I literally said the words i closed my eyes and said um i prayed i commit my um life into your hands oh lord or something into your hands i commit my spirit and and then the, the train came to a grinding halt now I opened my eyes and realised I was still alive, but it was it was pitch black. I couldn't see anything, oh. uh, and everyone was in shock. I was in shock, and and then I heard screaming and banging from the first carriage, and it was just a horror. It was like a horror movie. It was a horrific feeling. Jeez. I had um, some crashes and bangs, and um, I realised that. Well, I, at that time, I thought we had crashed, and. Um, um, people were starting to cry. I was, you know, I was beginning to cry, but then I realised God is here. God, God has allowed me to, to be alive. So I started to console people in the carriage, mm-hmm. and um, I said it would be all right. You know, we'll, you know, we're going to get out of here. At that time, I, I didn't know for sure that we would get out of there, but I, that's what I said. And then, cut a long story short, and um, you know, I was wondering about is the driver alive and. I heard the tannoy, you know, he was trying to put it on to and make an announcement that it, it cut out. And and then it, it felt like we were, I, I was covered in soot by this by this time in coffin. Mm. And it felt like we were in there for hours. Um, but then all of a sudden there was a light torch shining through and I heard men shouting, we're going to get you out, we're going to get you out. And I thought, oh, phew. <laughs> and then they led us backwards through the carriages and um we had to step down they lifted us down onto the tracks by then obviously they turned the live um electricity off Mm. and we walked through and i saw emergency running past us um into the first carriage lifting people covered sorry for the graphic detail but covered in blood Mm -hmm. and it was awful My, my mind was just going around i couldn't comprehend some people i were taking filmage with their footage with their cameras but i i couldn't i couldn't you know i was just you know in a, in a state mm-hmm. and then um, eventually they lifted us up onto the platform so can you picture now we're walking backwards to king's cross where we came from and um then we're on the platforms and they said you know we can we make our way up so we did that and um, as i got upstairs um and I and I saw helicopters and it was just madness. And mm-hmm. um, I remember pa- phoning my pastor, phoning my dad, trying to get through to my dad. You know, those sort of people were my first point of call. And then I couldn't get. I, oh yes, I got through to m- my boss as well, the workplace. Mm. Uh, you know, he said he was coming to get me, not knowing that he couldn't get through. And anyway, they said anyone who can walk, walk to your nearest hospital. That was so. I thought that's me. So I started walking, <laughs> and um, and then a, a chap started walking next to me who I hadn't seen before. But he said he'd recognised me from my from the carriage. So I started 
to share my faith with him and said, look, I know, <laughs> I know that, you know, I said, I had a lovely time with the Lord today and I know that if anything had happened to me, Jesus. I would have been with him. Wow, amazing. Yeah, and he, he was just flabbergasted. And it turns out that he was a Muslim and oh. um, he said that, you know, he, he maybe it's about time he, he goes and explores faith. Wow. I know. So I showed him my a picture of my son, um, and he showed me a picture of his baby daughter. And um, I talked to him about Jesus and invited him to church. And then, as we were walking, and um, I saw um, a police. We saw a policeman, and he rushed up to us and said, "Are you guys okay? Have you just come off the bus?" And I looked at him, thinking. What's he talking about? The bus? Doesn't he know our train crashed? Yeah. <laughs> and that's in my mind, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, "I said, what bus? What? Do, what do you mean?" And he said, "The bus thirty that just blew up." And I, that, at that point, I, I broke down. Mm-hmm. I, I just fell almost, and they had the, both of them lifted me <laughs> up and um, put me on the wall to sit down. And I was just hysterical. And I said, "What's going on?" And he said, "Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I thought you knew." And then he explained. And I said, London's gone mad. And it was just helicopters all over the place and fire engines. I said, I've got to get to my son's school. So at that point, I, I left them and I started to try and get to my to a phone call to phone my son's school to protect him from not getting on any sort of form of London transport. Mm-hmm. Anyway, cover long story short, I, I managed to get to the hospital. It was about seven to ten miles walk. Mm. And um, I collapsed. All I remember is nurses running up to me in the wheel with a wheelchair, and I collapsed. And I think they said, "What's your name?" And I remember saying my name and collapsed. And then they <laughs> put me in the wheelchair and, and wheeled me and into the hospital. And then um, I was treated for shock and lack of oxygen. Um, uh, and I remember I had some quality time just to. When the nurse said, "You're you're free to go." I got down on my knees and prayed and I said, Father, you know, there's a reason why you allowed me to not just be alive, but not one scratch on me. Hmm. And and I, I now devote the rest of my life to you. And I remember getting up, getting dressed and, you know, I was in the waiting area. Now, I t- the reason why I tell you this bit is because I remember it like yesterday, they were taking photos of everybody. The detectives were there and obviously just to to make sure that we we weren't obviously the ones you know because it it was a criminal investigation i didn't know that but Mm. and so you know they had photos of everybody obviously including me my number number on me it was like i was a criminal you know (laughs) and uh, i remember when i was sat down um there was a chap in the waiting room and he said i'll tell you this and he had a sling he had shrapnel over his face bandage everything and he said i was in the first carriage and he said I know that the people stood up who stood up cushioned the ones who had sat down hmm. because when I looked down at her, her eyes were open. And I'm sorry to say this, but she was dead. Hmm. And I said, please don't tell me anymore. Hmm. I don't want to hear anymore. And I left and my friend's husband came to pick me up, took me to my son's school. And obviously that's, you know, I went home. And hmm. But I know the Lord wanted me to hear that now in hindsight when i tell my testimony people come up to me and say they believe that man was an angel who told me to go round mm. 
the other way mm. and i i don't know to this very day whether mm. he was an angel or not yeah well. i should have been on that first carriage and i would have been standing up and i probably wouldn't be talking to you today that's incredible yes I was going to ask you that, uh, the guard who who pointed with his thumb, uh, you know, why was he there? You know, yeah. why did he di- redirect you to the back of the carriage, the back of the train? Yes. It's just, it's incredible. Tope, what an amazing uh, testimony that is. Uh, you know, what really impressed me by your story just now is how when you said that fireball was uh, making its way down the train and you saw it coming and approaching you, you simply said, Lord, I'm yours. Yes. You know, that that blows me away because I just think, dear God, what about those dear people who can't pray that? What about those dear people sitting in that carriage who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? You know, this is a challenge to me, challenge to anybody perhaps listening to us today, Tope, to say, Lord, I'm yours. You know, let's take this moment, take this opportunity, no matter what life throws at us, be it a drastic, uh, traumatic event such as you've gone through or or something lesser than that, to say, Lord, I'm yours. Take me no matter what happens. Yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Dudley, um, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, do we? No one knows. No one, the church doesn't know the type of persecution we're going to undergo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it brings me back to Stephen in the book of Acts. You know, when they stoned him, you know, and he said, to, into your hands, I commit my spirit, Lord. Maybe that's where I got that from. But, mm, mm, mm. you know, nobody knows their time and the hour. And mm. But all I know is that I was his. I just wanted to be with him. And um, but I didn't stop sharing my faith because of that. Actually, it made, you know, suffering can either bring you away from God or closer. And it brought me close. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, yes. Fantastic. Amazing, amazing story, Tope. Um, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about what Jesus means to you, and we'll talk a bit about your work in just a minute. We're going to take a little break and be back after this. You are listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported ministry. We value your prayers and support very much. You can help us touch millions of people with the reality of Christ by becoming a vision partner. Visit surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. That is, become a vision partner at surereality.net. Listen again to the reality on our podcasts at surereality.net. You're listening to The Reality. So good to be with you. My name's Dudley Anderson. If you've been listening up today and you have some questions or perhaps you'd like to make some comments, perhaps you need some prayer, I'd love to hear from you. Write me an email, if you will, dudley at surereality.net. Well, today we're talking with Tope Pearson. Tope has shared how she survived the 2005 7-7 London transport bombings. An incredible story, how she was late for work one day, making her way to the underground to climb aboard the train to go to work. A guard redirected her to a different passageway that led her to the second carriage on the train towards the back of the carriage. Sadly, that day a bomb went off in the first carriage of that underground train. By the grace of God, Tope was saved. But as the bomb went off and the fireball travelled down the carriage, Tope called out to Jesus, Lord, I'm yours, into your hands I commit my soul. Tope had the certainty of life, even in the face of death. She believes the Lord has a purpose for her life, and like every believer, the Lord God Almighty has a place for her. (music) 
Tope Pearson today with me on Skype on the reality. So Tope, in a nutshell, tell me what does Jesus mean to you? How did you come to faith? I um, was brought up, um, well I say brought up in the sort of Church of England if you like. So when I was about three years of age my dad used to send myself and my two brothers at the time um, to um, the local Church of England C of E and Sunday school. Mm. Um, our parents didn't go with us and um, we just went along obediently and that was obviously the first time I'd heard of Jesus. Um, um, but the very first encounter I had with Jesus was when I was um, about three years and a half years of age and I was in the marketplace with my mum and, um, and my other brother and um, for some reason we got parted and I, I was a quite a timid child at the time, and I screamed my head off, as you can imagine, <laughs> a three, three and a half year old, and they'd been that she's lost in the marketplace. Mm. And then I heard um, a, a, my name um, being called from, from, it was all I can describe, it's from heaven, and I looked up. At that point, I saw a fleeting image of, of Jesus, and um, mm. uh, I, I was just squinting because it was just so bright and brilliant, the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen before in the sky hmm. and and um I, I i i was looking and i could see his, his eyes looking at me i couldn't see his hands or feet i i looked up into the sky and, and, and an elderly woman came to me and uh said what's the matter dear and you know i said i can't find my mummy and hmm. then all of a sudden my mum came and appeared and with my brother and i was oh I was just so relieved and shook me home and obviously didn't know the experience i had and then when I when we got home, I used to just treat my parents' um, bed as a trampoline. And um, <laughs> as kids do, <laughs> I used to do that. Days, <laughs> we probably all did. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, my two brothers were in the room, and I was jumping up and down, and I was just singing this song. I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like a showing off type of thing, but yeah. kind of like I was so happy I'd seen him, and I just. <laughs> And they, they pushed me off the bed saying, shut up, you know, you're lying. And uh, and I said, no, I'm going to tell mummy. So I got back up on the bed and saw Jesus. Uh, and, you know, that has never left me to, to uh, today. Incredible. I don't know why. It's just never left me. And and from then, um, until I got to the, I, I feared the Lord, I feared God, um, um, until I got to the age of 11. And it was no longer um, cool anymore, if you like. To mention <laughs> Jesus or <laughs> to talk about church, so I stopped going to church and I stopped talking about Jesus. So you may as well say I kind of well backslid if, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And so when I got to about the age of eleven, I um obviously probably looked lost. So my dad said, I think it's about time, Toby, you you go back to church. So I did, and I went to the Church of England. Um, I um went through some confirmation classes at the age of sixteen. And I remember asking the vicar, why Why is Jesus God? His reply was, never mind, just take my word for it. <laughs> and I, I, I just went, oh. And, and, and then from then on, I sort of shut off, you know, from the rest of the lessons and went through my confirmation class, really my confirmation only to please my dad and the rest of the elders. Hmm. And so it was religion from then. Hmm. I was just a churchgoer. I realise that now, um, and and then I went through. I got married um, quite young, um, and I I went through. Um, I, I was I was together with my former husband for uh, ten years. Went through a very very messy divorce, and mm. I got to I reached my lowest ebb in life. Mm. 
Mm. And to the point where I was extremely depressed um, and suicidal, mm. had suicidal thoughts. Um, I wanted to end my life. I did. I felt like I fit. I didn't fit anywhere. You know, I was, I was a complete misfit in society. Oh, dear. Um, what am I doing here? Why not end it? But then I remember that, oh, hang on a minute. I lost my mother at a young age. I don't want my son to be without a mother. Hmm. What do I do? Unfortunately, I was, I was, at that time, I was, I was looking for love in the wrong places and I wanted to get out of that mess. And, um, but but as, at that point when I was suicidal, I, I, uh, the light switch came back on and I said, oh, I, I sat up in my bed because I was laid, I, I was sort of laying down at the time. I sat up and I went, I know who can help me. <laughs> God can help me. <laughs> And and I knew, I knew I, I knew I needed to get to God through Jesus. I don't know why, but at that point, I just it was a simple sort of a formula in my head that to get to God, I had to I have to go through Jesus. And then I went back to my. I remembered my first love. I remember when He came to meet me when I was lost. And then I had to. I remembered a woman who was reaching out to me when I was going through my first initial separation. And I was trying to run away from her because I thought she was a bit of a religious nut, bless her, mm. lovely woman. Um, she was a friend of a mutual friend. Her name's Julie. And um, I actually, like a mad woman, started to look for her number, telephone number, <laughs> because it had been two years since I'd seen her. So eventually I found her, her number and called her up until I got her. And then I asked her some searching questions and... One of them was, you know, why can't you, you, you know, why can't people, you know, sleep with somebody else before they're married? And she said, well, Tope, your body is, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And as she said those words, I felt the presence of God come into the room. Hmm. And I felt, wow. And it was like, she just answered all the searching questions I had in such a gentle, passionate way. Hmm. And she said, Tope, I think you're about time that you, you go to you go to church. And, and I said, I think you're right. Hmm. And so this time it was for real. And hmm. um, some women of God studied the Bible with me. And I broke at the point of realizing how my sins caused a separation for me and God. And hmm. I said, I don't want that. I want my father. And I want to be with him. And I don't want anything to get in the way. And that's how I became born again i got baptized and i never looked back since praise god amazing what an amazing story incredible stuff tope our time is nearly up but i'd like to ask you um you've written a book you fit perfectly and you've founded a ministry by that name just uh, tell us quickly what's that all about yeah well gosh that that came a bit later on in um being the that, that was my second book and um it came out of um a combination of brokenness but then finding who i am in the lord i think um really even when you're born again a lot of people don't realize that you can still be broken and uh i was you know was even you know asked into leadership in the church still feeling very insecure about things past because i'd had a quite a dysfunctional past including abuse and things like that suffered mm. loss etc and not knowing 
but that I really did fit at that time. I remember um, being, where was I? We were in, um, we were in Europe actually at that time um, on a, a mission um, and the pastor said to me, you know, go home and ask the Lord to show you what Colossians 2 verse 10 means. And so I did um, and I asked God, what does it mean? And then he showed me this vision. It's a gigantic picture of himself with various jigsaw puzzles hmm. and in in the in the, in the puzzle of himself and i was in awe looking and then all of a sudden i saw my name and i could see my date of birth in that one of the jigsaw pieces mm-hmm. and I, as i was wondering what that meant i could see that god it was like the father saying he was beckoning me to take my place and so I thought, how can I get him from here to there? Then all of a sudden I was catapulted to into my rightful place in him. And then I realized that I fit perfectly. Hmm. There was no, no error in me. There was nothing that he had made a mistake in making me because I fitted in that particular piece perfectly. And I realized that no one could take my place and I can't take anyone else's place. And then I looked at the rest of the jigsaw puzzle and realized that there were missing pieces in the puzzle. And then, because from now I could realize I was looking from his perspective. Hmm. And I I said, God, where are all these missing pieces gone? And he said, Topic, this message is not just for you, but I want you to go and find all the missing pieces and show them their rightful place in me. And then the vision ended. Hmm. Hmm. And that's how um, the You Fit Perfectly book was sort of formed in ministry. And since then I wrote that to encourage the church, the body of Christ, um, and to keep on keeping on, no matter what they're going through, that they don't, they're not a misfit, they, miss, they fit perfectly in Christ, the Godhead, hmm. and um, no one can take their place. And what I use the story of Joseph in the Bible is a backdrop in the book, hmm. talking about, um, you know, the, the, the pit experience, prison experience, the slavery experience, and um, the, the promotion, hmm. and and um, just, just encouraging the body of Christ to take their rightful inheritance, you know, to claim their rightful inheritance in Christ, so hmm. um, people can go on, keep on keeping on, and, and reach their full potential. Amen. Amazing. Reaching our full potential. Incredible stories and incredible ministry. Uh, Tope, thank you so much for sharing that with us today. I'm yours, Lord, is what I take away from our conversation today. Thank you for joining us on The Reality. Thank you so much. Wow, what an amazing woman, what an amazing story today on The Reality. Speaking to Tope Pearson, sharing how how she was in that 7-7 London transport bombing in 2005, and by the grace of God, she survived, how God got her through that. And you know what really encouraged me was, as she was facing that fireball coming down the carriage toward her, she called out to the Lord in her heart, and she said, Dear Lord, I'm yours. Tope quoted Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's read it. It says, For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I ask you today, 
Are you complete in Him? Have you surrendered your life to Him to find your place in the purposes of God? I encourage you to drop me a note today, if you will, by email, dudley at surereality.net, if you'd like to know more. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. Only with your prayer and financial support can we produce these radio programs. I encourage you, therefore, to become a vision partner with us at the website surereality.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, until next time, you keep your eyes on Jesus. And God bless.